morning. Welcome to Liminal Church of Ventura. This beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, my name is Ginny Downing. If I haven't met you before, my apologies. Uh, I'm one of the pastors, one of the people on the preaching team, teaching team, whatever we call ourselves. And um, Liminal Church is a little bit different in that we don't have a senior pastor. We have um, everything is pretty much a team approach. And so you will see a lot of different faces up here, and uh, we rotate in and out. Um, so it kind of gives you different facets and different pictures of this life that we have in Christ. Before we start, uh, I do want to say hello to those of you who are online. And if we have any kids in the room, I'd like to give you a chance to make a quick exit. Um, I don't see any, but if I'm missing you, if you are a child grade five and under, you can go through the back door and meet your teacher there. And if you are older and would like to join the blend, it's up the stairs, except I don't see Kelsey, so I suppose you're here. Um, this morning, being the last Sunday of the month, is our contemplative service, where we enter into a time of reflection and a time of slowing down. In my childhood, I attended a church where we sang hymns, uh, great songs of the faith, great songs of theology, usually four to five verses, and we would plow through each one with the speed of a metronome. And that always bothered me. It was like visiting an art museum on a fast conveyor belt. Uh, even as a child, it occurred to me that we were passing through some pretty life-altering uh, perceptions in theology um, pretty quickly without really letting it set in. And that can be a habit. So that's something that we kind of want to move against here. And when one of our teachers gives a message that makes us think, it's so easy to leave church, have lunch, and then life happens. And we may or may not think of it again, which is kind of sad. So at Liminal, we have intentionally set aside the last Sunday of the month as a time to take time. And for the current series, our Shalom series, the contemplative services will take inspiration from the pre three previous teachings in the month with the idea that this Shalom concept might actually take root and make a difference. The past three weeks, Wayne Randolph has beautifully laid out a foundation for our series of Shalom. And over the next months, our teaching team is going to take a deep dive into um, what Wayne termed as the container that he prepared for us. So today, my hope is to take a few of the concepts that Wayne introduced and allow us some time to consider them and to wrestle with them and to see if perhaps these concepts might offer something that we might want to incorporate into our own lives. To begin with, let's set the stage with a few moments of silence and deep breathing to center ourselves in this present moment. And if you've brought some concerns with you or uh, if there's something on your mind, I invite you to just lay it down for the next hour. If you need to pick it back up on your way out, you can do that. Or maybe you'll find that you just don't need to. But if you do need to pick it up, no doubt it'll be waiting for you. But for this hour, I'd love to have you just focus your presence on other things. So find a comfortable way of seating, sitting, um, maybe your feet on the floor and your hand in a receptive pose. Close your eyes, center your thoughts on your breath. As you breathe in, recall God breathing life into Adam and Eve. Ruach, the spirit breath, still accessible to us with every inhale. After holding it for a few seconds, release it, and along with the release, let the tension, the cares of the world, pass away. Are you ready? Okay, let's breathe in.
Just take a moment and check in with your body. Do you feel a little lighter? I do. Well, let's begin. Shalom is a flourishing and abundant relationship, not lacking anything. Relationship with God, relationship with one another with nature and with ourselves. I'd like to spend a little time in Psalm 23 and consider how this psalm illustrates a life of shalom. I'll read it and then we'll spend a few minutes in silence. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He has me lie down in grassy pastures. He leads me by quiet water. He restores my soul. He guides me in the right paths for the sake of his own name. And even if I pass through death-dark ravines, I will fear no disaster, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff reassure me. You prepare a table for me, even as my enemies watch. You anoint my head with oil from an overflowing cup. Goodness and grace will pursue me every day of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This psalm states that goodness and grace will pursue me every day of my life. But what is goodness? When we chose autonomy from God, we chose our own systems of good and evil based on a faulty and childish understanding of what good and evil is. So with Psalm 23 fresh in your minds, I'd like you to consider just for a few moments the following questions. How do you determine what is good? How do you determine what is evil? And what influences have led you to these conclusions? Let's just think about those things for a few moments, and I'll come back.
as we ponder these questions, I think it's important to note that there's really no right or wrong answer. Uh, when I was preparing this, I answered the questions for myself, and I realized immediately that my conception of what is good and evil is basically what I've been brought up with and what I've been told. And um, the invitation is to think, is that true? Or is it something bigger? And my conclusion was, I don't really know. I'm not in a place to discern what is good and what is evil. I can try, but it may or may not be born in truth. So I've learned to hold this. I've learned over the last week, which is, um, okay, a little learning, to hold it with open hands, with open fingers, and to hold it with a posture of curiosity. What is good? What is evil? Does it matter? Interesting things to ponder. Well, in Genesis chapters 1 through 3, before the apple and the snake and Adam and Eve's descent into autonomy, we see an idyllic picture of what Wayne termed as the original blessing. Now, I think we've all heard a lot, probably too much, about the original sin. But we have a choice. We can look at that, or we can look at the original blessing and the invitation that that holds for us. Here in these chapters, we see God and humankind walking in complete intimacy, walking in complete trust and safety, we would see ourselves with humility and truth as image bearers and participating in the creative process of nurturing, nourishing, and harnessing goodness. Here, everything belonged. Everything had purpose. And everything was designed to work together in complete harmony. And God was everywhere and everything. God has not changed. For our next section of contemplation, consider the following. God is participating within and through all things. There is no us and them. There is no sacred or secular. God is in all in a gracious, perpetual, and participatory state of restoration. We, you, me, your friends, strangers, and yes, even your enemies, we are all in Christ, willingly or unwillingly, happily or unhappily, consciously or unconsciously, we are all already fully accepted and loved by God. Let's pause a moment and consider what feelings in you arise in you when you consider these statements. Do they ring true to you or do you resist them? If you do, that's okay. Take a moment and consider the resistance. Do you wish they rang true to you? Do you see them as truth, but it's not something that you're comfortable embracing at this point? And lastly, what might life look like if you were able to live out that we are all already fully accepted and loved by God? What would that look like?
before we go to the next slide, I just want to pause and look at the picture of this Celtic cross. And you can still see um, etched within it the intertwining. And um, we'll explore that a little bit more in a couple weeks. But the concept of all things belonging is not new. Uh, this cross probably dated back to the 500s or so. And perhaps the Celts knew something that we didn't. That all things are intertwined. All things belong. All things are imbued with the breath of God. Well, last week, Wayne shared part of the larger story of the Old Testament. A story of God's covenant with his people of their breaking the covenant, not once, but over and over and over again. As the chosen ones continually chose empire over the kingdom of God, they became enslaved, literally and spiritually. A pattern developed of remembering God, of straying towards their own ways and devices, of forgetting God entirely, and of God stepping in in numerous stories of grace and mercy, offering reconciliation and extending his hand in a new covenant or a renewed covenant, a remarriage of sorts. Wayne then introduced us to a video of spoken word by David Bowden, who performed his poem entitled, I Do. And I would love to read the whole thing to you, but I'm just going to take a little piece of it and then we'll take some time to consider. And if you, if you would like to hear the whole thing, um, you can find it on our website. You can find a link to it and also in our newsletter. So here we go. You returned to me. I poured out my blessings equally across your blessed curves and deformed torso. I took you home, leveling hills and valleys so none were more so. Morsels. I gave you as mortals, just right, never too little or more than enough. But my portions were never enough. You forced out equality for four course blessings. You enforced poverty, building fraudulently endorsed armories. You outsourced charity for horse-drawn chariots. You traded the poor, trained for war, strained for glory, abstained from my adoring, pouring yourself into riches, adorning yourself with splendor, abhorring my selfless wishes, ignoring your rewarding as my heir. And you ask, do you dare follow me there? I declare, I do. O oh, bride of the garden, I made a promise to be your God and make you my goddess. Well, I ask in my shame, will you love me the same though I've been untrue? Will you give me your name? And God says, I will. And I do. Let that sink in for a moment. Read it over to yourself a few times and pause to allow God to whisper to you, I will, and I do. Christ is in me, if Christ is in you, I take him some pretty odd places. Think about that. And then put those places into the words of this poem. 
God, I've taken you some pretty weird places, some pretty dark places. I've held thoughts in my mind that you share. And knowing this, will you follow me there? And he says, I will. And I do. Consider the words to Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read that again. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, or death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the next few moments, let's consider that verse in the light of Bowdoin's poem. How does the poem illustrate the passage from Romans? And what might this mean to you?
stray back to Genesis for a moment. You remember after the apple was eaten, God came into the garden and he said, Adam, where are you? Growing up, I had a picture of God frantically looking behind trees and looking for Adam, thinking, I've lost my beloved. With this in mind, though, with God resident within us, how does that change that passage? Haven't we all had the experience where we're kind of straying off to the left or the right? And we hear the little whisper, where are you? What are you doing? What are you thinking? Not with condemnation, but an invitation to correct. I think that's what that voice may have been like. I had a pastor once who said, when you consider that, those words, Adam, where are you? How do you hear it? Do you hear it with shame, with condemnation? Do you hear it with longing? His feeling was that meditating on that and listening deeper and deeper and deeper until you hear the actual tone of God may tell you more about your spirituality than anything else. Well, I don't know if that's true, but it's something to think about. So humankind has strayed far from the garden, we have to admit. But God is continually calling us back a never-ending song of forgiveness, restoration, and love. No matter how far we stray, God is with us. No matter what we do, God is with us. And when we ask in our shame, Will God forgive us? Can God still love us? Do we still belong in the garden? God says he will, he does, and we do. Every moment we have a choice, and that choice is laid out in Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live and love your God, your God, listening obediently to him, firmly embracing him. God is life itself, a long life settled on the soil that God, your God, promised to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For our next con contemplating moment, consider what choices are before you today? Within those choices, how might you choose life and blessing?
verse in Deuteronomy, three instructions are given. Love God, listen obediently to God, and firmly embrace God, or intentionally remain in his presence. The life of Shalom is one of intentionally remaining in God's presence, living as we were designed to live, in a flourishing and abundant relationship with God, with one another, with nature, with ourselves, not lacking anything. Today, a choice is set before you. Choose this life, a life of shalom. Choose life so that you might live in this flourishing and abundant relationship. All through the Old Testament, we see a pattern of obedience, distraction, rebellion, devastation, restoration, obedience, and so on. And I think if we're honest, we see that pattern within our own lives and all around us in our own slice of history, don't we? But Jesus came, among other things, to show us what our part of the covenant should look like. I do nothing without, apart from what my Father tells me. And at the end of his time on earth, in the last few hours of his earthly ministry, he met with his disciples, the ones through whom his message would fail or spread. And he ate a final meal with him. And if I could invite the ushers to come up to serve communion. As part of that meal, he broke bread saying that his body would soon be broken for them and for us. And then he took the cup and said the wine in the cup represented the blood that would be spilled for the forgiveness of sin. Sin being the state of turning towards something other than God. And he gave them the instruction to remember whenever they were to eat, the bread or drink the cup they were to remember Jesus not just oh I remember that guy but no remember what he did who he was who he is how he loves and that he is with us even today and tomorrow and the tomorrows after that even to the end of the age Before you come up to take communion, let's pause a moment and remember. What do you remember? What do you think Jesus would like you to remember about his time on earth? And with that in mind, as you come forward, and take the bread and the cup. Pause a moment before you eat and drink. And these words will be on the screen for you to consider from your chairs. See if even in the midst of all you've done and not done, as you turn to him and ask, will you love me the same though I've been untrue? Will you give me your name? As you take the bread, and you take the cup, listen for his whisper, I will, and I do. Come forward when you're ready.
of service this morning. Feel free to linger as long as you would like. If there are things that are new to you, if there are things that you wish to ponder more, feel free to sit and, and sit with it for a while. But when you do go, go in the love of Christ. Go with the knowledge that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Go in the knowledge that you have a choice to listen to the whispers of God or to go your own way. Go with the invitation to choose life. Go in shalom. Go in peace. <laughs>